As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This podcast is powered by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Attention to Detail, the podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Ayers. Today, I'm going to be having my guy, Chris Likes, on here. Chris is not only a great athlete, um, somebody who provides a lot of wisdom in this episode, but also a pretty good friend, gives a lot of wisdom in this episode, not only about the on-court stuff, what skills to have for small guards, certain techniques, but also the mental side of things. And this goes past the confidence that we talk about. This goes into him being pretty transparent about a lot of the stuff that went down in his last couple of years of college um, and kind of how he's gotten through some pretty significant psychological barriers as a basketball player, as a smaller guard, um, but also as a human. So I'm really excited for you guys to hear this episode. As always, uh, if you want more resources, make sure to check out my Instagram, my YouTube, Discord channel, pretty much everything that we're doing on every channel to make sure that you guys have as much content, as many resources as you need around the world. All right. So all that'll pretty much be by any means basketball. Um, You can get to all of it from my Instagram, from my YouTube. But again, I just want to be the ultimate resource for you guys as hoopers around the globe to make sure that you guys have everything you need to get to that next level. All right. Anyways, enough about me. Let's get to it. Chris, my guy, welcome. Appreciate you for, uh, hopping on the podcast. One thing I will say is I've been to a lot of places this year and I kind of texted you about this a few times, Yeah. but you always get like the, you know, what's your favorite player? And it's like Kyrie, Steph, Ja, but somehow damn near everywhere I go, there's always that the few kids who are like, Chris likes, I've seen you, you know, in the videos with them. And honestly, bro, it's, it's crazy to see uh, how many people around the world, you know, tune in to, to what you've been doing for years now um and see how you inspire people from you know every level every corner of the world um and i think it's a testament to obviously the work you put in um so you push the limits at every level that's kind of why i wanted you get on here as well just talk about that and i mean that's even dating back to high school like you know not a lot of people know that we went to rival schools for real yeah i was at st john's which you're like i mean if you know anything about basketball in the dmv area like the ultimate rivalry over there. Um, obviously, Chris averaged like 10 times more points than me, but what it allowed <laughs> me to see was kind of like the development from Gonzaga 
even like at, at a freshman level, um, when you were a freshman all the way up to, we went to UM together, uh, got to work together a little bit towards the end of your career there. Um, and then Arkansas and obviously overseas now killing it, playing super efficient, winning games, all that stuff. Um, so yeah, man, it's been cool to see your journey and I'm excited to, uh, to get your perspectives on a lot of this stuff. I appreciate you having me, man, as always. Uh, I think you got one of the most intriguing basketball minds out there. I think what you do, man, is is in a class of its own. Um, I tune in pretty much to all of everything that you do. And it's always kind of the mindset I had towards things, like just working on things in a different way than what the traditional way is, you know. And I yep. think kind of kind of ties into where I'm at with, with basketball. And for me, it's always been bigger than basketball just because the traditional thing is guys are supposed to be tall playing basketball. We all mm -hmm. For me, it's, it's always been, this is what I wanted to do. And I wasn't going to let, you know, something that I couldn't control, which is my height, be the reason yeah. I play basketball. So. Uh, no, that's, that's a fact. That's a fact. No, I appreciate, I appreciate the kind words as well. And that kind of leads me into the first question, which is like, and you talk about this enough on your Instagram and, and interviews, you know, dating back to high school. But what's your mindset when you step on the court? Like, is there a common thing that you're thinking about or you kind of have in your mind every single time you get on the court? And you're probably the shortest player out there, but you're still making it work. Yeah, um, I would say it's kind of changed a little bit over the years. Um, it really it started off with just proving I belonged out there. So I was in straight kill mode, killer mentality. Like I'm trying to prove to everybody that like, you know, I'm out here for a reason. Mm. Um, and then once I felt like, you know, I kind of gained some some notoriety and people started like kind of knowing who I was, um, then it kind of changed from like, all right, people know who I am to like, let me like show that I'm not just a, a highlight, like a highlight guy. Like I'm actually like a, a, a solid basketball player. Um, and then, now it's changed into my professional career. It's changed into really being efficient, showing that what I do on the court translates to winning. So um, they all kind of play, you know, the same, um, play within each other. Um, it's still, I'm always trying to prove I belong out there, but it's always, um, or it's progressed in, in a number of different ways. Yeah, for sure. No, I like that. And one thing that I've always noticed as well is like, I think a lot of that feeds into how you play defensively. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of the time when we talk about small guards and even myself, I fall into this is like we don't really talk about how people can potentially see you as a liability on the defensive side of things. And every conversation I've had about you with with people who have you know analyzed your game, whatever, been like, you know, it's, you would expect him to be a liability, but he's not. And I think a lot of that is a testament to mindset, but also technique. So talk a little bit about like not only the mindset that goes into playing defense as, you know, a smaller guard but also the, the kind of the technical portion of it, certain techniques that you use to stay in front, but also be pesky as hell and, and uh, defend taller players. Right. Um, so, you know, one thing I feel like I always have the advantage in is speed. So, um, and I wouldn't say I was always super defensive minded. When I first started playing basketball, though, I was. Like, I, was, mm. I wasn't really talented on the offensive side. So I use, you know, my, my passion for the game to be, like Patrick Beverly, like just, you know, yeah. on defense. But as I progressed and I got better skill-wise on offensively, it kind of like, you know, focused on that side. And um, it wasn't until I remember it was a high school game where UVA came to watch me. And Coach Turner told me, like, look, they want to see you, like, play defense. Yeah. And that's when um, one of those games I was just picking up full court. 
And I realized like, okay, I can use the same type of speed. I can use the same instincts that I have on offense. I can use that on defense. And that's reading the passing lane. See, a lot of people think basketball like is just, or especially on the defensive side, is like straight man-to-man, like man in front of you, right? But it's it's a little more than that. Like you can see the next play ahead. And that's where some of the guys like, uh, I remember D Wade was one of the first guys I watched. Mm. Like, anticipation, like just oh, yeah. getting in those passing lanes, um, you know, reading the next play, making the guy uncomfortable with the ball. Like we're already lower to the ground when we're uh, speaking about smaller guards in particular. Mm-hmm. You know, um, when we're lower to the ground, you know, they don't necessarily want to put that ball right there in front of you. So you can like jab at them. And I learned this from Marcus Smart. I talked with him uh, one offseason at Miami. And he was just saying, like, just keep playing, like, keep playing. That's what a lot of people do is they stop playing because they feel like they're beat. But, you know, when you're small like that, you can get into those tight spots. You know, if you keep playing, you'll, you'll end up with, uh, eventually get your hand on the ball, which is important, man. You just got to think about it. So you just got to keep fighting. Like, and that's one yeah. thing. I, mean, I don't really I don't really give up too much. Not for sure. And I mean, a couple points off that. Number one is I think a lot of people don't realize, like, the importance of like you said, recovery on defense, yeah. like they get beaten. They think that's that's the end game right there. Exactly. And it's like, in reality, you're one of the best I've seen. And Marcus Smart is the guy to talk to for sure in terms of yeah. that. It's like, you'll get beat. It's I mean, it's basketball. You score 100 some points a game, you know, at a lot of levels. It's an offensive game. So you're going to get beat. But being able to take the angle to get back to kind of reengage that contact, that's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, you played football growing up a little bit, didn't you? A little bit, yeah, a little bit of football. Do you think that helped at all in terms of jumping in passing lanes and just kind of understanding, like, telegraphing passes? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. Um, I think it also comes from a lot of, you know, how I play uh, video games, too. Uh, yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. In particular, um, you know, I don't play much video games anymore, but, you know, when I used to, I was always in the passing lanes when yeah. I was trying to steal. Um, and you can be – you can be – you can have an offensive mindset, uh, on defense, you know, that's what I tell a lot of the guys that, that DM me ask me about defense. I tell them, like, look, have an offensive mindset on defense in terms of reaching, you know, gambling. But at the same time, though, you got to be cautious about the gambling. Maybe talk with your coach or something uh, about that. But I'm sure he'll understand it, too. Like, if you're getting steals, you know, he's not he's not going to be upset about that. Nah, for sure. That's funny you say that about 2K. One of my guys, Jason Preston, plays for the Clippers. He's Definitely one of the better IQs I've ever seen, and people asking about it, he's like, "Just playing 2K." 2K I was man. like, "Hey, I mean, that's for, I mean, you're just seeing a bunch of patterns in a game of basketball in a way that's like, I mean, you can only watch so much film, you can only play so much, you get tired as hell if you're playing all day, like making reads all day. So, yeah. I mean, at some point, like, I could definitely see the value in that, um, and it's, you ain't the only one that said that. Yeah. Um, so what? Actually, before we move on, I, you mentioned that you talked to Marcus Smart down at down at UM. Um, mm-hmm. Are there any other players? You don't even have to name them, but I'm just curious, like how you've picked other players' minds because whether it be at UM, you know, there's a lot of players that are always working out practice facility, Wasco. Um, but I mean, you've been around a lot of players in DMV everywhere. Um, so how have you been able to kind of take from other players? Um, whether you talk to them or whether just watching other players' games and kind of being able to pull from certain things and add to yours? Um, so Miami was a, a unique experience, just like how you said. You know, a lot of guys spent their off-seasons down there. So we was able to play pickup. Um, I was able to play pickup with, with a number of guys, probably too many to really just go down and list all of them. Yeah. But I think the biggest thing was they always told me to just, like, just keep going, like, keep working and, you know, 
you'll put yourself in a position where like you know if you if they feel like you're needed then they'll find you like facts um, and i'll probably say on defense though i like to watch drew holiday because he was one of those guys that i feel like he plays with an offensive mindset on defense mm. like he he reads he reads um the the guy with the ball he reads their moves pretty well um that's because you know he's talented on the offensive side as well too true and he plays what i mean by playing like what offensive mindset is you're the aggressor on defense yes. yeah. you're not waiting for him to make a move and like are you reacting to it because by the time you start playing guys at different levels it gets too late like these guys are scared so what i'll do is like i told one of my guys uh, the other american on my team now i told him like yo jab at him make him try to go this way then you can go for the ball right there because if you jab at him with the right and now he's like all right bet i got the left and you're mm -hmm. all plotting that you're about to go to the left you feel me you're in a position to steal the ball now he's about to fumble the ball out of bounds or something just because you had an offensive mindset on defense. yeah no that's a fact i i've never even put it that way mm -hmm. um and i'm gonna start using that because it's like everyone loves playing offense Mm -hmm. And exactly. once you start to get people to see the offense and defense, I think that's huge. And I mean, like, if you look at Drew, if you look at all these other top defenders, really any level, they're the ones who are closing space on the offensive player. It's not like they're waiting for the defense or the offense to come to them. Yeah. They're seeing that ball handling often closing space. Like you said, they're kind of baiting them into certain directions. And then when you bait someone into something, you know they're going that way. You anticipate it. So anticipation, all that stuff is is, and I think it makes defense more fun too, right? Like, it does. It really if you does. Just sit back and wait for people to come to you. It's like, all right, whatever. But if you're if you're the one who's the aggressor, you're playing offensively. Mm -hmm. um, it just makes it a lot more engaging, um, which engaging. is you know, good for engaging. the long term. Lou Dort, Lou Dort was another guy. Yes, watch. He does it too. Hundred like percent. Just constantly like being like engaged on that side of the ball, and it's it's tough. Yeah. It's tough. It is. It is, but it's a it's a, it's definitely a strategic part of the game for sure. Um, all right, so growing up, you said you weren't very skilled at first. Um, defense was kind of your main thing. How would how would you say? And obviously, this is a long over the course of your childhood, long term thing. But how would you say you improved your game um, in terms of like? Did you just hoop a lot? Did you? Uh, play against high level competition did you do certain drills like how would you say that you kind of approach your development even without thinking about it because when you're 10 years old like yeah. you're really thinking about like targeted development but how would you say you got to the level you were at by the time you're a freshman sophomore junior high school um so i'll definitely you know i'll give credit to my mom for you know getting me into community basketball she was the one that initially got me into it um but really the dedication from my father being outside, like me and him, my brother, um, outside in the driveway, you know, just working on things that he knew I was gonna need because, you know, he knew I wasn't gonna be super soft. Um, but we didn't work on the floater too much though, but he had me <laughs> with dribble pull-ups, shooting. Um, my father could really shoot the ball. And um, then uh, Markel's trainer, um, mm. keep, keep a, Keep Williams. That started, that was my first. So my dad found out that, all right, like this is the guy to go to if you want really up yeah. your skills, you know, in the, in the off season. So uh, Keith Williams is who I started with. And mm. he had me doing, so, all right, it was a lot of ball handling, but after the ball handling, it was right in the full court one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. And sometimes it would be, you got to stay in the lanes. Yeah. So, it would be you just gotta you gotta play, and he would always have me going against older guys. I don't know if that, 
that was what my dad wanted or if he just felt like that's what I needed. But in a matter of like two weeks, I say, yeah, a month, maybe tops in a month. Like I already saw myself getting better just like, you know, by playing against older competition and then not having to, I can't pass the ball to nobody in one-on-one and it's full court. So it's some conditioning drill too. Mm -hmm. I have to work on my skills. I have to be able to get my shot off because it's nobody to pass to. And I really feel like that was, you know, my time with Keith Williams was definitely a, a big progression moment because I saw, that's why I learned, all right, this is what I need to be doing. This is how I work on my skills. And then that's where my creative mindset kicked in. And I started working on things myself. Um, I, I was always fast. I was always like athletic. I wanted to be able to jump, but we'll get into that too. My dad, yeah. we had the, uh, the six foot court. I probably told you this uh, before. I had yep. six foot court in the basement. It's straight carpet. so. The TV right there, the court down here on this end. So it's 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 a long line. It's enough space though for me to, you know, get crazy down there. So <laughs> anytime, anytime we watch, we watch the NBA, right? That's all we watch. I didn't watch college basketball until the year yeah. before, the year before I got to college, which is you feel me. I probably would have been better if I did, but I watched straight NBA. So anything I seen them doing, like in terms of dunks, especially at a young age, I was going to go do like halftime. I was like, all right, like, I'm going to try all the dunks that I just seen. And I tell everybody, man, like that, that was the reason right there. Like, yeah. I went and tried. I was working on jumping at a young age. Facts. No, and I think, I mean, both of those are great points on the skill side and on like the athleticism side of things. I think sometimes we overthink, especially at a young age, what overthink. can help athletes get yeah. better. Like we don't need the most intricate drills in the world. Hooping and jumping at a young age is not only sufficient but probably better than you know a lot of what a lot of athletes are doing that's why like when i have athletes come in at a young age but even older guys like I'm, all right we're gonna hoop we're gonna play ones with different constraints like we're gonna mess around with like how we're playing ones but the same thing with full court like you said even keith is like sometimes you can go in the paint sometimes you can't yeah. full court i'm sure you guys played at some point half court like switching around what you want out of it but i mean if you hoop you play a lot of one-on-one -on -one and you jump and try things and explore as a kid i mean chances are you're going to get pretty athletic pretty skilled especially because then i'm sure you would go after playing the one-on-one -on -one and you'd be like damn I, I missed this shot a couple times let me go work on this in the driveway mm -hmm. and then it's just like a constant like push and pull we're like i'm gonna try this out shit it ain't work i'm gonna come back and work on that and again like you don't it ain't that difficult but i think a lot of people try to overcomplicate it um, yeah. once you get up to the pro level college level can be a little bit different because you need targeted work but right. especially as a high school player let alone a middle school player and I mean, that's it hooping jumping sprinting just a lot of years man a lot of the, the things i see now is just overthinking you know? yeah it's really it's really simple i'm not gonna say it's simple but in terms of how you need to work that's yes. what's simple um, no for sure what you posted the other day too when me and lonnie was doing the full court we had mm -hmm. to be, we had to be um yeah, it was Delve, Justin, you and Lonnie in there. Keith, Keith had us doing that too. Yeah. That the, you know, that was the main thing. Like, all right, you got to beat two defenders. Man. 100%. You got to figure it out. I ain't going to tell you exactly, like, yeah. how to do it. You just, because in a game, when, when you don't have a coach in your ear telling you how to do it, like, you're going to have to figure it out. You got exactly. to adapt mm -hmm. and, and just and just hoop. Um, so I think it's stuff like that. And I was going to ask, like, how you develop such a good feel for the game as well. But I think mm -hmm. that's it. Just like, it wasn't like, let me do all these drills and then try to get out of that robotic nature and put it in the game. It's like, let me play 
and then do drills, I'm sure, that were kind of based around what you saw in the game. Um, yeah, exactly. So, exactly. no, that's good. That's good. Um, all right, kind of switching. We'll come back to kind of the smaller guard stuff that I'm sure a lot of people want to hear. But one thing I really want to focus on is, like, you know, a lot of people see high-level athletes on social media from the outside. They don't see, like, the ups and downs that kind of go into the nature of being a high-level athlete, professional athlete, where, you know, in college and professionally, like, people's jobs are on the line. There's a lot of pressure. Um, you do a good job of being transparent on social media. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't even think, like, a lot of people know how much you have gone through, how much people in your position have gone through, whether it be, you know, your last year at UM, switch over to Arkansas, now you're halfway to, across the world. Like, you're adapting well. But shit isn't easy. So speak a little bit to, like, the psychological part of it. Yeah. Everything, you know, from a from a bird's eye view that you've dealt with. And then how you've kind of worked through that. Cause I know a lot of athletes, you know, that I talk to daily who are kind of struggling with the same things. Yeah. Um, I think you could offer a good perspective on that. Um, all right. So yeah, this is what I really like talking about. Cause the last two years for me was probably like the hardest, toughest years in terms of my basketball career. Like, yeah. and basketball means a lot to me. So it was really tough on my life. And, um, yeah, starting with, with Miami, um, and I feel like this is really important, so I, I definitely want to speak on this, but, um, you know, my senior year, uh, first game of the season, I shot the ball, like, terrible. Like, I, I couldn't make anything, um, but I was determined. So the second game of the season, you know, I'm playing really well, had 20 points, five assists, uh, five rebounds, and, like, the two minutes going into the, the second half. So it was still 18 minutes to play. Damn. Um, yeah, I was like, all right, bet, like, you feel me? I thought I was going to start off slow, but, you know, I'm having a good game. I ended up, you know, making a move. Um, I go up to shoot. Guy kind of slides under me. It's no it's, – you can't find this anywhere. Like, I went to look for it just to kind of, like, you know, see what, what yeah. happened. Um, couldn't find it anywhere, but the wow. guy kind of – he slides he slides under me, and I jumped pretty high on my, my jump shot, so uh, – yeah, it was, it was pretty bad, bad uh, ankle sprain. Um, I'm doing rehab all year, um, trying to get back out on the court. And it's just not, it's not, it's not going that way. Like my ankle is just telling me like, look, man, it's not, it's not ready. And um, the tough part about it was like, like social media, they was on my ass. Like, mm -hmm. why, like, why is Chris, like when is Chris coming back? I thought it was just an ankle sprain. Like that's two weeks. Like why, why is he not back on the court? So two games of the season, two games, and I missed the rest of the season. And um, it was tough for me because I couldn't necessarily say what I wanted to say. Um, and it just got to a point where I just had to, you know, take it on the chin and, and kind of just deal with it. Because I feel like, you know, a lot of athletes go through that. Like we get on Twitter, you know, we see all these basketball anal analysts, all these uh, – basketball geniuses, whatever you want to call them, you know, they're saying, oh, he should have did this or he should have did that or, you know, they're, they're always voicing their opinion. And that's the good thing about Twitter. Everybody can voice their opinion, but you don't necessarily see what's going on behind the scenes. Um, and it was really tough for me because, you know, they was questioning whether I wanted to play or not, which is, is beyond me because I spent four years already, you know, playing through injuries. I was injured yeah. every year, like going through something. Everybody's injured at some point, right? Oh, yeah. I'm going, I'm going through that. I'm playing through, through hella injuries. And then senior year, it's like, all right, well, 
this time I can't. And it was the first time in my career, my basketball, my entire basketball career, where I couldn't, I couldn't play through it. And it was eating me inside. And it was hard for me to, you know, go to the games because I started questioning myself, like, am I doing everything I can to like get back on the court? And uh, it just, it put me in a real, like real low place, man. Um, real low place. But before I get to the next part, I'll, I'll give you some light. Like everything that I went through in these past two years, I need it for my career now. Mm. So I, I just want them to hear that and to be like, okay, like it's not, it's not all bad, but like yeah. where you are in your journey is a, is a part of the process. Like it, it's going to build you in a way that, that you need it. And at the time I didn't need that. So for the first time in my life, basketball was taken away from me. And I had to dissociate my life and happiness away from basketball. I had to find happiness besides what I what I was used to doing. I was always getting my piece of happiness from playing basketball, but I couldn't do that right now. So I had to, you know, spiritually grow in a way. Um, so the year goes on. I don't end up making it back on the court. The team was fighting hard, um, but a lot of us end up transferring out. I transferred to Arkansas. Um, Really, I, I wanted to be a part of I just wanted to be in the tournament. That was pretty much my main goal. I didn't know if I was going to do college again, because keep in mind, that's my senior year. Um, but I wanted to be in the tournament because I didn't really like what I was hearing from in terms of like scouts and uh, the feedback I was getting going into that that professional year. And my ankle was still like really mm -hmm. bad. Like, I wasn't I wasn't me. If I'm going to say that I just, I just wasn't me. Um, but I started to get, you know, get better. I was working with some guys in Miami. I started to get better going into that summer. Ended up choosing Arkansas. Um, and so the year, the the year starts, I'm spending extra time because I still feel like like my ankle is not, it's not there. Like I didn't have that same explosiveness. I didn't have that same confidence. And those two things right there are a big part of what makes me me on the court. Um so the year, you know, I start off the year kind of shaky a little bit. I had a couple games where um, I started to feel like myself again, but I was never able to sustain it. And um, if I thought, you know, Twitter at Miami was bad, Arkansas, was, it was even worse. Like, you feel oh, me? I can imagine, bro. It was at one point I had to just take Twitter off my phone because, yeah. you know, they, they don't really know. They don't they didn't know like me like that. Like they didn't know yeah. what I was doing in Miami. Um, you know, they just see, you know, this this little guy coming in and, you know, taking crazy shots or, you know, but what they didn't realize was I was I was playing the game, but I was trying to find myself again, too. Mm -hmm. Like I was trying to find my confidence in myself again. And at times I, I was forcing it. Like I would go back, watch film, and be like, damn, like I was really forcing it there. But in the, in the mindset of the game, I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm really trying to just feel it out, like feel myself out because I haven't played in a year. Like I haven't touched the basketball, I've been on the basketball court in a year. And um, the year was just up and down for me, man. Like it was times where I found like my peace, even though I just wasn't, I wasn't playing. Like that was probably the, the lowest amount of minutes I was playing in my career, like ever since freshman year. Um, even my freshman year in Miami, I ended up starting halfway through. Yeah. The so uh, I got to a point where I was, you know, barely seeing the floor, man. And, that took me even lower than where I was in Miami. Like I at least knew that, you know, right, I'm gonna get back. I'm gonna get healthy at some point. But now it was like, did I lose it? Like, did I just did I lose like the skill I had? And I just, 
it was tough because I had to find a way to keep going. Even like I wasn't really getting the opportunity and rightfully so, like I wasn't playing good, but I had to find a way to keep believing in myself. And this is what I mean when life, you know, goes in full circus because this is how my basketball career started. Like it started that way. Like nobody was really believing in me. And I had to find a way to really believe in myself. And um, obviously, yeah, we get to the lead eight, which was a, a great run, man. Like that was really special. I got what I asked for, right? But yeah. it's not always greener on the other side, especially in terms of individually. But I couldn't be selfish. Like I, I was happy to be a part of that, man. Like it was, it was really cool. Um, but after leaving Arkansas, um, it got to a point, you know, I had such a, like, I'm going to say terrible year in my, my opinion, because I know what I'm capable of. I know what I've, I've done in the past. Um, but I had to let go of the past. Like I had to, it was almost like, I felt like I was reborn. Like I had to let go of it, um, to embrace the future. Like I had to learn that. You know, no matter what you're doing in the past, you have to keep the same type of habits. And that was one thing I was proud of with um, – well, I was happy with Coach Mush at Arkansas, man. He taught me some some really great habits um, that, you know, I feel like will keep me – so did Coach L, too. Like, I still – you know, I read a lot of books because of Coach L. But um, he taught me – Mush taught me really how to, like, work. And, um, you know, I really wasn't getting the – um, the looks that I thought I was going to get, you know, going into my professional career. So it got to a point where um, I had to kind of think about the the option of, you know, not playing basketball anymore. Like, like that was a, a legitimate option um, just because of the year I had. And it just really wasn't good. Um, so I got to a point where, you know, I had to just keep grinding. I was still grinding, even though um, I didn't know if I was going to be playing basketball. But um this team here in Denmark, you know, they took a chance on me. Coach called me. He was like, look, man, like, I, I want you to play like how you played in Miami. And, you know, I really believe in you. Um, and I will be forever be grateful for him because, you know, he instilled that confidence back in me from day one. And he gave me the keys and was like, look, like, fill, fill it out and get back to who you are. And, uh, you know, I really, <laughs> I really appreciate that, man, because – uh, it was definitely tough for me, um, not really understanding like why I had to go through that. But now, looking back two years now and comparing to where I am today, like mentally, I'm on a whole different level. Like mentally, spiritually, physically, like I'm on a whole different level. I take care of my body more. Um, I read a lot more. You know, I focus on you know self development a lot more, and um, all of that was important for me. You know getting to where I am now and, you know, still, still aspiring to climb even higher. So I know yeah. that was wrong, bro, but. Uh, nah, no, nah, that was good. That was exactly what I was hoping you would be comfortable enough to go and actually be transparent about that. So I appreciate that, bro. And I think that just hearing that story can help a lot of people. I mean, obviously there's a lot more even than you would have ever mentioned. Yeah. That goes into stuff, whether it's a UM, you know, I didn't hear as much about what was going on in Arkansas, uh, which seemed like it was, you know, it was just kind of a you were in a a weird place mentally and you know we don't always have the best years and people knew people down here knew you were still you were still a bucket but it's like the people arkansas you're going to a new fan base and then yeah so i think i mean number one i think like you said people from the outside in sports never really 
see the full story, let alone 50. Like, they don't see 50 percent of what's going on, 25 percent of what's going on. They just see the headlines. They see what's going on on Twitter. They see if you're playing and how well you're playing. Right. It's like if you're not producing, they I feel like they don't even see you as a human at some point. It's like yeah. you no. are a basketball player. And that's the most toxic thing to me about sports and especially sports at a high level. But now even like I get youth players who are thinking the same thing. We're like, oh, yeah, like my parents are like whatever, like coaches. They're going through the same thing as you on a mini level mm. because it, it just it a lot of times athletes aren't even seen as as humans anymore, yeah. um, which is crazy. But I think, you know, one one positive, like you mentioned, is like everyone talks about being battle tested. Mm. And I mean, at some point in your life, if you really want to succeed and whatever it may be basketball, but also everything outside of basketball, like you got to get battle tested. It's the same reason why teams you know, who come from good conferences end up probably going further in March Madness or playoffs, NBA playoffs, NFL playoffs, because you've been through adversity. You've been down in the dumps. You've been to those points mentally where it's like, all right, I'm going to have to get through this. And once you do get through those, like you said, you kind of come out, I would say 99.9% of the time you come out in a better mindset and you just feel a little bit more unbreakable than you were beforehand. Um, which is, I, I mean, I would argue that's probably contributing to your success this year. Like mm-hmm. we were talking before in the podcast, you're like, yeah, I shot terribly last game. And I already know for you, like, that's not going to affect you much now. You're just like, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, whereas beforehand, I don't know, at UN, maybe you had a bad game or high school, you had a bad game. You consider it a little bit more. You start thinking about it. And those are, again, like the lessons uh, that you've learned through that process. And I think a lot of people can learn that because, um, like, like you said, everyone gets there. To the, to the extent that everyone gets there is different. Um, yeah. Some people, it's just a little bit of adversity. Some people, it's a lot. But as long as you push through, like, what I've found is that usually you expect a break to go your way, and it doesn't. And at some point after, you're like, that was the last chance. Like, I'm, I'm done. Mm-hmm. That's when that break happens. Yeah. And that's probably, like, coach taking a, a, a chance on you. And yeah. you eventually get somebody to believe in you or something goes your way. Just a little bit after after you expected, but it ends up being perfect timing. Um, so no, no, I appreciate you for being transparent about that, and I think a lot of people will take from that that journey and learn from it. Also, man, I mean, the one thing I really took from you know my year at Arkansas was I wasn't going to lose confidence in myself yeah. ever again. Like that that was a that was a no brainer. That was a commandment that I had with myself. Yeah. I was never going to lose confidence in myself again because. Confidence is what makes me, I feel like me. Like, yeah. that's what makes me the player I am. And you can see it. When a guy's not playing with confidence, they're just not the same. They're a portion of what they are on the court. You know, they're, yes. they're, they're second guessing. And that's what I was doing all year at Arkansas, just second guessing. Like, mm. And, you know, that's not, it's not a good formula for yeah. a basketball player at all. Definitely not. And I think, I mean, everyone talks about like, the it factor that players have, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like some players may be as talented as you or as, you know, if we compare two players that may be equally as talented from just like a, if you see them in a workout, they're going to be the same player. Exactly. And then one is like significantly better than the other one. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly like you have quote unquote, the it factor. And I think a lot of that, like you said, is just your confident as dude on the court, at least, you know, when you're uh, kind of focusing on that outside of like a couple of years, um, you've, clearly shown that you've been very confident and now that confidence is is more sustainable so how how is it just willpower or like are you employing certain techniques to not lose that confidence to kind of fulfill that promise that you made yourself at arkansas um 
it's it's a little bit of it's a little bit of the willpower. Mm-hmm. Also, the um, the understanding of like how like when I go work out, like I know that okay, I'm working on this today, or I work on this every day. Like this has to show in the game. Like it has to show in the game, and or not, it has to because that means you're relying on it to do True. it. I know it's gonna show in the game. Right. This is what I'm working on, and I work on this every day. I put in work, like it's gonna show. It has like it's, it's just gonna show. And uh, also willpower too. Like you can't let, you know, like like I was telling you earlier before we started this. Like I had a bad shooting game the last game, yeah. and but I I told you I knew it was coming. Like just yeah. the law of averages. But exactly, you can't allow that one game, or you can't allow one little thing in your life that doesn't go your way. To just slow down your your progress, like you gotta, you know, take that on the chin and be like, okay, well, why didn't it work? Or mm. maybe I'll try it again. If it doesn't work again, then maybe I have to change something up. And then that's where you go to work and you start building on your craft. You start working on the things that you need to work on. So um, the biggest thing is you just you just don't stop. Like yeah, you can't, you can't stop, man. Um, and believing in yourself is the number one rule, and that's always been the you know the, the number one rule for me so yeah not nah, for sure and i mean i think you you hinted at this but it's like just having a good relationship with failure is huge mm-hmm. not even failure but just like i mean i guess you could say failure but more so just bad performance in a yeah. way like you said it's a lot of averages like the, the thing that a lot of players don't realize especially when they're in high school or middle school or looking up to you like for example i heard about your good games i heard about when you were killing like i seen right. the highlights i seen stuff like that i know you had a bad game yeah, it's just like you don't yeah. see that on social media. It's not like you're gonna go post or anybody's gonna go post. Right. Like, yeah, I had a one for eleven shooting game or something. Just, yeah. just natural, right? And I think when when players look at you from the outside or others from the outside, they see perfection. When in reality, there's it, it's just not not the case. That's, that's what with social media and and, mm-hmm. and all of that. That's what that does. Exactly, and it's um, not even just basketball. It's it's life in general. Like yeah, you know, for it's outside of basketball. It's people getting jobs like people in relationships like they see all the good stuff but in reality they don't know all the stuff that goes in behind it. and hearing you kind of acknowledge these things and also mention that it's like look on to the next game i think a lot of people should take from this whether they're a player whether a coach whether whoever like understanding that that failure is is going to happen and when it does it's like it's it's inherent and if you understand that, then you can move on to that next performance a lot easier. I think the biggest the biggest thing I had to do was dissociate basketball like from my life. Like obviously, yes. like I love the game, but I was associating it with my life. And if I had a bad game, it would be a bad day. Like you yes. feel me? Like it, it can't be that way. Like you exactly. have so many, you have so many blessings and opportunities that go on throughout the day that you have to be grateful for. And if you have a bad game, like, so what? Like, go work on the things that you you didn't do well in the game the next day. Like, it's not the end of the day. And I think that's the biggest – like, I go into the game with no fear. Like, like yeah. I'm going to play – I'm going to play, you know, how I'm supposed to play. I'm going to do the things that I know I'm capable of doing. And if it doesn't go well, then I know that i got to go back and go work on some things. But it's not the end of the day. And I think that helps me be a lot less tense. Like, yeah, Arkansas playing, I was tense. Like, for sure, I didn't want to make no mistakes, so I knew I was coming out the game. Like that, that was a, you know, that that was tough for me because I had never really had that that type of leash. And but 
it taught me how to, even in that environment, even in that atmosphere, you still have to be confident in yourself. Like you can't go into like, all right, like I'm not gonna make this mistake. I'm not gonna make this mistake because when you do that, you put it in your mind, and 80% of the time you're gonna go make that mistake because uh, it's on your mind. Like you feel me? So you gotta just go into the game like free, man. Like, look, I'm I'm here to play. I'll give it all I got. And if it don't go well, then all right, we'll get better. Yeah, no, that's what I would say. Is like, don't play not to lose. Play to win. Don't exactly. play not to do badly. Play to play well and that's for basketball that's for life like if you're always thinking about fucking up chances are you're gonna fuck up because you're, you're nervous um so yeah man i mean I, I i think that's huge and that's one reason why i try to focus on why athletes like bro and you don't want to hear this as a young athlete like there's a lot more to life than basketball you're just like nah fuck right, 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 right. basketball is my life like why would i focus on anything else but once you get to our age you start maturing like well maybe there is more and even things that are more fulfilling than basketball. Like I'm sure there are things in life, like, I don't know, fucking learning something new or like seeing a new part of the world that feels better than having a good game. Yeah. And again, you don't want to hear that as like a 17 year old, let alone, I mean, even a 21 year old, 22 year old, you're just like, yeah. who is like, it's basketball. But at some point you, you start to realize that there's more to life. Like more freely that way though. Like you're going yeah. to the way more free when you're, you're Bro. not so focused on basketball as my, like my life. Like, Basketball is something that you do, and it's also a, a game. Like you feel yes. me? You can love the game. Like you can love the game. Like I, yeah. I you know all I got when I'm out there, but it's not it's not my life. It's not who I am. You feel me? Like right. more to life that that'll make me peaceful and a lot more happier than putting all my chips on the basketball game. You feel exactly, me? bro. And I think, I mean, if you frame it this way, and I've talked to a couple athletes very recently, like yesterday, the day before, about this, like. If I took away basketball from you, would you be nothing or would you have other things to offer to the world, to um, your girlfriend, to like your homies? Like, yes, are you yes. just, is basketball literally you? And they're like, no, nah. like, of course I have other things on. I'm like, all right, well, why are you considering it to be everything? And I think like, even for me, like playing in a super high pressure, like high school environment for me, you know, I, I couldn't do much because it was probably like you at Arkansas where I'm like, yeah. bro, if I fuck up, I'm coming straight out of the game. But, and then after my, my playing career ended and I chose to focus on like, the training the coaching side of things i don't identify as a player yeah so i literally my my skills were just exponentially went up and it's like because i don't go into a game tense like i don't care who i'm playing against now i know that number one i'm gonna probably get some buckets number two if i don't i don't care because it's like exactly. I, I ain't even a player no more bro like yeah i i train i don't i don't hoop anymore and i wish that i'd been able to apply that same mindset and that's why sometimes i think like damn i should go play pro for a year like yeah. i should just go just go try something because no, but then no. i know also this is gonna be a weird like mental exercise or as soon as i identify as a player i'm gonna get tense again and then it's like yeah. so i don't know but it, it's interesting that that you mentioned like the ten. i don't want to say tension but like feeling tense as a player at arkansas because i think that's facts um would yeah. you say because being tense is different than nervous would you say that you've ever been nervous in a game so to speak or oh. is it Bro, More so just most oh, yeah. of my games at Arkansas, I was nervous. Like yeah. I was so like it wasn't that like I was scared somebody was gonna say something to me. Nah. Like, like, but it was one, I knew I was gonna be on the film session. Yep. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm focusing yep. on every play, like trying not to not to mess up. Mm -hmm. Two, it was like, all right, um, 
I don't know, like, what it was like to a point where I didn't know how to play. Like, this is the craziest thing. Like, I've only told, like, some of my family. Mm-hmm. Like, I've only told, like, some of my family members because they know me best. Yeah. Was, like, you just don't, you don't look like you out there. And I was like, I, I don't feel like me. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't feel like myself. I'm overthinking. I'm second guessing myself every, like, move I'm trying to make. And it's like, all right, I know I'm coming out if I don't do this, right? Yes. I know I'm coming out. No, nah, that's the craziest thing, bro. Then it would get to some points like, all right, like, excuse my lane, but I was like, fuck it, like, I'm going to do it anyway. And then yeah. that's when you would see some of the crazy stuff I was doing. Yeah. Go to Twitter and they on my ass. Like, he has no IQ. Mm. And you know, like, I really do have IQ. It's just like, I didn't want to come out. So I was trying to force it. True. No, nah, and that's the weird part is when you're like, you don't feel like yourself, but you're trying to force it because you're trying to will yourself back into that. And that's like, if if somebody can figure out that fully, yeah. they'll make a million dollars because I know there's players at the highest level who get into that zone. I mean, you look at Steph some games, he'll shoot 0 for 11. And it's like, if if somebody can figure out how to get out of that, I don't feel like myself zone, then like, yeah. number one, it's, it's probably impossible, just human nature. Number two is like, Hey, that would be that would be a rich man. But rich it's man. crazy to me how like you it it shows up and how literally how you move. Like some of the yeah. players I've worked with this year gone to their games. Yeah. Yeah, they may be a freshman, whatever, I'm watching them on TV. And I literally am like, who is that? Like, is is that the same person? And and it's it's crazy. I mean, it just shows the power of the mind once again. It's like it can literally turn you into like you're moving like a different person, you're thinking like a different person. And as soon as that game ends, you're like you snap out of it and it's like what was i doing um so i don't know man that's that's crazy but it's it's something that everyone goes through and you know it's, it, again it's one of those things that's good to hear coming from you because a lot of people would look that look at it from an outside perspective and be like nah chris ain't never felt like that but uh, hey i already know i mean honestly though i had never gone through it until yeah these past well this past this past year so never at um me i'll say yes um my freshman year like the first first 10 games okay maybe in the first seven eight games whenever so we what helped what helped you get out of that and then to the point where you were starting your freshman year i just had a i had a breakout game and yeah. it was kind of the same thing i had went through at arkansas i was like all right mm-hmm. like i'm gonna just be me and if it don't go well then okay like i, I got you know time to get better yeah and, uh, that that eventually what I didn't realize then was that freed me up from the tents and pressure that I right. was myself. Mm-hmm. And so then I was able to go in the game and just be free. And what I didn't realize at Arkansas was I was doing that the whole year. Like I was right. the whole year. And a part of that though was because you know I had something to prove because True. I had, I had missed the entire year. I wanted to prove to myself that you know I'm still I'm still that guy. But unfortunately though, that that is not how that played out at all. But I had to learn that, though. Yeah. So, um, no, exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. I think one thing on, on, on that note is, like, I think a lot of the times you got to find a balance between, like, proving to yourself or proving to other people that you can do something and, like, having that dog mentality, like, oh, I'm going to go prove y'all wrong. But then also, like, if you get if you lean too much into that, you can start to put too much pressure on yourself. You know what I'm saying? So it's like that balance between kind of relax and be like, yo, if I don't prove them wrong, okay, fine, whatever. But then obviously you don't want to be too over, too far over there. So yeah. you got to also think like, all right, well, balance that with I got to prove these motherfuckers wrong, like whatever. 
So I think once you find that balance is is good. But I'm I'm also curious. Do you think do you think that having that so like at UM it was your freshman year. You know, right. yes, like each year matters. But you have four years, mm-hmm. and like you said, like you just had to get out of that. It was kind of like breaking the ice, whatever. Yeah. Do you think being at Arkansas for only one year and having like a finite amount of games before your pro career starts kind of put added pressure on you? That too. That too. It was. It was just pressure coming from a whole different, uh, a bunch of different angles. Excuse me, just like one to prove to myself, I'm still, you know, I'm still that guy. Two, I'm in a new environment, new fans. You know, they're expecting me to do something, so that's pressure right there. Um, coaching staff, you know, it's it's everything was a little different. Like, um, you know, Coach L was super laid back. You know? Yeah, um, and it's not that I haven't had coaches that are that are really intense, but um, right. It was just it was just different like and then you look at the year i was only there for nine months so True. all of that is just condensed and i'm not having the same amount of time i am to get adjusted to it as i did at miami or as i did at being at gonzaga for four years, yeah. you know what i mean so it was just a lot of pressure that i that was coming from different angles but that's all in the mind though you right was, that was inflicted by myself like i, I i'll take um I'll take uh what's the word? Accountability. Yeah, accountability yeah. for that. Not but, for sure. Um, but it's understandable though. Yeah, it's very understandable. it's only understandable to people that understand like yeah. that, that position. But when you're looking at you know the social media, that's why you can't get caught up into that stuff because they're not gonna understand it like that. No, they're gonna look at like, okay, we got this player from Miami. They don't know that I've been hurt for a year, they don't know mm-hmm. that I played for a completely different type of coach. Yeah. Or a completely different type of you know play style where the ball is in my hands yeah. the whole game. I'm calling the offensive plays like it's just I just had a lot more comfortability, you know. Yeah, and exactly. When you're uncomfortable though, that's where you learn the most. I was uncomfortable from the moment I left Miami. Like, yeah, if we're just being like being honest, um, not that they weren't good people or anything. It was a great program. I liked how they did everything. Yeah. Um, but. I was just uncomfortable, man. Like just uncomfortable the entire time, and that tense plus that pressure plus being uncomfortable did not make a good Chris likes. Like that was, you know, that was tough, bro. Like, I, hey, that's fair though. I mean, you learn from it, and that's one reason why I tell players all the time, like, bro, if you got to go to a lower division or a lower conference, whatever, and and fit in a program better, then go there. Like, it ain't about the name. It ain't about yes, you want to win, but you can win at a lower division, and you probably do it better because you're more comfort comfortable exactly. you, you're in a better position where you know you can whether it's your play style fits more with the team whether it's you fit more you mesh better with the teammates with the coach like yeah whether it's closer to home or further where like the geography of it anything but like i think players especially high school players uh can often get caught up in like the and even like middle schoolers going to high schoolers now i'm seeing it at some point where it's like if you go to the wrong program, it can make you a completely different pr- player than who you would expect to be or who you would be at another program. And it's just all about fit. Um, and, um, so that's huge. But um, yeah, no, I mean, I think those are all huge lessons to learn. I, th- I mean, the mental, I always say like, and this is another thing that you don't, you don't really realize until you get older and you hear it all the time. It's like basketball is whatever, 80% mental, 20% physical. Like you hear that as a kid, you're like, hell not. Like I'm, you know, it's skills, it's my athleticism. But then you get to a point where you just, you, it starts to open up to you that like, 
it is like yeah. you have players who don't work on their game at all and may not be the most skilled but just mentally they they have it and they can just they play better they reach higher points in a career mm-hmm. than somebody who's overthinking or kind of weak mentally and mm-hmm. that's not their fault it just it may be out of passion for the game yeah. but understanding different techniques um i think you gave some really good techniques to to monitor these things to help yourself out when you get in these points are huge and i think that can help can help every player take their game to the next level more than like you know working on a certain skill even most times yeah um all right last couple quick questions if you had to choose we'll kind of flip back over to the to the practical stuff even though this is way more important for me but uh, if you had to choose three skills that you think if you had to install instill three skills in every single smaller guard to give them a better chance of success around the world what would those three skills be um off rip you gotta be a dog like that's just it's just that simple like you got to have that mentality that you're not going back down from nobody out there um and that's that's the most important because if you had that you're going to be able to look like you belong out there you know what i mean um i would say shooting you got to be able to shoot especially in today's today's game you got to be able to shoot off the dribble off the catch um definitely with range too just having a, a a wide range of you know shots that mm. that work for your game. Now we're not all going to be the same, and that's why I'm gonna leave speed out because I think that's one of the main questions I get. Like, like how are you? How would you work on your speed? Like, I, I didn't work on my yeah. speed. Like, I, I like that was something I was I was blessed with. Obviously, there's there's some things you can do to work on your quicker first step, but speed is one of those things that you might just be blessed with speed, but there's often times where I'm watching film. I'm like, man, I wish I was like a little slower. Like I, like sure. watching Luca, watching CJ McCollum, like how they're able to get to their spots. Shea Gilgis, like mm. these guys aren't super fast, but somehow they get to where they want to get to. So being crafty, like ball handling, yes, but being crafty, like mm. using using you know your play style to really benefit or affect your game in a way that's that's in a positive way so i think those three you can handle the pill um i i'll split it because defense is going to be important yeah that's, that's just to get the opportunity though you know what i mean like yeah so I, I hey might, we'll put defense under being a dog i'll, I'll help yes, you out yeah, 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 yeah. i'll help you <laughs> no nah, i always struggle with that too because i always get people asking me that at camps and stuff but I think yeah. one of the the main things that I want to touch on there is like, I I mean, so every time I post something where it's like we're working on ball handling, we're working on shooting, like I don't know, maybe a fade or a step back, something like that. There's always a crowd where it's like, nah, they just need to be repping out one dribble pull ups and and spot ups. And I'm like, yes, like we do need to get good at those. But especially, I mean, most of the players that I at least cater to on social media. Just again, law of averages are the average human is what five eleven shorter. Yep. So like most people are going to be considered small guards. Right. And if you think that you can get to that next level as a small guard with only one dribbles and and spot ups, it just it's not going to happen. It, like if we're being realistic, you need to have a bag. You need to be able to shoot a wide variety of shots. Yeah. You need to be able to adjust on these shots. Like you ain't going to be just shooting a, a, a standstill spot up three every time you're going to be needing to fade a little bit maybe your feet are a little bit off off you know staggered maybe a little bit off balance mm-hmm. so 
that's why I try to kind of widen the variety of things I work with or that I post on social media too. Cause like, if you look at your game, if you look at any small guard, like it ain't just, just the basics, the foundations, yeah. like you've, you've gotten past that. Not to say that you don't still work on those foundations. I'm sure yeah. you still get up your spot up shots. You, you yep. still get up your one dribble pulls for sure. But it's also adding to that, um, which I think is huge for people to understand. Yeah. I mean, looking, talking about that specifically, um, before you get into your next question, like, yeah, I remember doing a lot of workouts and coaches were always like, yo, stop fading. Mm-hmm. Like, in my mind, I was like, no, like, I'm going to need. But you would be seeing, you would be imagining and visualizing what's going on in the game, and you know that you would need to fade in that situation. That's like, when you're working out, this is one thing for everybody that's listening, like, when you're working out, like, envision you're in the game like somebody's guarding you that's what i I was always good at that i was always good at visualizing like all right i got somebody on my hip real quick quick stop like Mm. all right step back he's long so i gotta be able to fade a little bit to get this shot off and that's what i meant by like being creative in my last post obviously Mm. i'm not as good as you at um kind of going into definite detailing about you know what i need to uh, what you need to do when you're on the court but yeah i was always fading like even when it's just regular workouts, like getting to your one dribble pull up, I want you to step back here. I was shooting a fader, and they was like, "Yo, like stay on balance." I, <laughs> I mean, I I get that, but these guys are gonna be tall, like trying to like who I'm shooting over with. So that fade is gonna give me just enough yep. space to get it over. So um, yeah, but not nah, go ahead though. No, nah, I mean, and then last thing I'll say about this is like, yes, like you also probably want to work on your regular pull ups where you are straight up and down and quote unquote on balance. But my thing is like why not prepare for times where we may not be in the perfect situations? Like get good at the perfect stuff, but also prepare for the imperfect. Mm-hmm. Basketball is a chaotic game. Chaotic. Um, so when you realize that, your workouts start to change. Yeah. Um, all right, two more quick ones. You can answer these, you know, not not too crazy. Let's okay. talk a little bit about DMV basketball because being down here, I try to explain to people and being around the world too. I'm like, bro, that's the best basketball city in the world. You're like, nah, L.A. You know, <laughs> and, you know, I get my respect to a lot of these places, but like, yeah. being from there is is more so even, I mean, the town is crazy, but just the legacy of being there. Like, I'm sure you're working out with people above you. Like you are saying, you're playing right. with old guys who are probably pros now. And it's yeah. just like a legacy. We're like, all right, well, I'm next in line. I got to perform. So talk a little bit about being from just the D.C. area and then uh, and how that kind of helped you as you were younger. Bro, I still, like, I don't know if you have, but I still haven't figured out a way to, like, actually explain to people. Like, nah. like the only way is I, I saw recently that Bronny went and played. Oh, I was at that game, too. You, so, like, once you play in that environment, though, you you don't understand. Like, I was yes. already prepared for college because of that environment. Like, for sure. Um, and, but what I'll speak on in the basketball community is DMV is not, it's not too big. Um, so in terms of the basketball community, everybody kind of knows each other. Everybody Everyone. knows each other and they support each other in a way. So, um, you know, when the. All right. So if the area is small, the competition is high. Right. But we all did a good job of kind of like maybe internally, maybe unconsciously, whatever. We all kind of just like kept rising each other up by competing yeah. against, you know, the best talent, because it's not it's not like a big area where. All right this area this town they don't have anybody right like everybody's in the same the same area everybody's in the same basket so we're all trying to get better but we're all like bringing each other up in a way that you know develops everybody yeah no that's a fact and i mean i think that's the main thing that i try to focus on when i have those conversations like look and because 
in Miami, I've seen, you know, things from a different light. A lot of people hate on people in the basketball culture down here. Yeah, whether exactly. it's high school, whether it's college, like whatever. DMV, there's always going to be some. But mm -hmm. I would say the vast majority of of interaction and just dynamics between people is is at least in some sense supportive. Yeah. And I almost liken it to like, I don't know, like rappers out of Atlanta. Like everyone's putting each other on. It's not like a, everyone's hating on each other, just kind of dogging at each other, trying to scrap each other down. Because they realize there's enough. In fact, there's not only enough room for everyone to to succeed, but when somebody else succeeds, that helps you because you get to play against better competition. You right. get to be seen playing against better competition. So I think people realize that better than any other area, and that's what, that's what helps it so much. Um, is that it's like there's a lot of love there. Um, mm -hmm. and when you pair that with like a lot of other factors, it it helps. And look, like if you look at any March Madness, there are 20 players from DMV, always, like always, always. always. And I That's always say, like, it like, may not help, it may not produce the best NBA players, yeah, to be fair, compared to like in LA, which is a much bigger area, but that's mm -hmm. a different conversation compared to other places. But if you look at college hoops, DMV owns college hoops, yeah, in my opinion. Yeah. So another thing I'll say, like, is if you compare it to somewhere like Texas, right, mm. the, the best athletes in the area might be playing football. True. Like the best the best athletes in our area are playing basketball. Right. That's the, that's just how it is. Like it's our area culture. Is, is a basketball culture. So I yep. think that that comparison right there kind of gives you a, an insight as to how important basketball is to, to the DMV area. Yep. No, that's perfect. Um. All right, last thing. What is what's next for you? This could be from a career standpoint, like you know how you're going to finish out the season. This could be from something you want to learn, something you want to develop about yourself. What's next for Chris Likes? Um, in a basketball sense, is continue to add things to my game that I feel like will um, benefit me in the long run. Finishing out the season strong. Um. Obviously, winning the championship is my main goal. Um, I think that would be really important, you know, going into my first my first professional season as a mm -hmm. as a pro athlete. Um, but really, for Chris likes as a as a human being, it's really just enjoying where I am, man. Enjoying the enjoying the process, enjoying the journey. We talked about it a little bit before we got on this. Um, just embracing where I'm at. Like each day, like is a is a new day and a new opportunity for me to live this life like not it's 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 a lot of people that's gone too soon it's a lot of people that take days for granted including mm -hmm. me man i used to be one of those guys that, that used to just you know take days for granted especially when you know i had a bad game and um i wouldn't live life to the fullest man so that's that's kind of what i'm doing now i'm trying to learn new skills i'm reading every day um, i watch youtube videos on things that you know i feel like could be useful skills in my time when the basketball stops and um you know, for somebody that's going into their first year, um, I think that's kind of interesting. Um, speaking in third person right now, but you know, just looking at you know where I am, uh, I think it's important, um, especially for you know a lot of young guys to to kind of hear that that um, you gotta take each day as its own because um, a lot of things get taken away from you, and that's what happened to me in Miami, um, and you know what I was not being grateful for it was taken away from me and 
then I had a, a whole different type of environment that didn't benefit me. So you got to be grateful for each and every little thing. And that's what I do. I start my days meditating. I start my days writing down what I'm grateful for. So, you know, all those little things will help you enjoy enjoy your life a lot, a lot more. Um, and, you know, that's that's pretty much what I can say about you know, embracing your your journey. Facts. Staying present. I think that's the biggest thing. That's I don't know how to miss that, but that's the biggest one. Just staying. Hey, no, nah, but all that goes into staying present. Yeah. Like that's, I mean, that's basically what I took from that is like each day is its own day. Mm-hmm. I ask what's next and you say today. And that's that's the yeah. biggest like that's to me sign of somebody who's who's been able to kind of um, enlighten themselves and stuff like that. So, nah, bro, you're ahead of the game. Um, appreciate the wisdom. I'm sure everyone else listening to it does as well. Yeah. um you got got a lot of people out there who look up to you as a role model you know that but i mean i can attest to that just from being being around to whatever 15 countries this year and hearing your name come up literally every time so it's been cool to see the uh the growth bro i'm excited to keep keep seeing it and that's not only on the basketball court but off it so appreciate you i appreciate you man thank you for having me yes sir Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.